And to Jesus be the praise and the glory and God's people said a mighty amen and amen. I am here with my amazing class from BHI and I'm teaching today on receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I want you to be a part of it. So this is kind of a special in that we've joined not only our class but also you sweet people on all the other platforms. Can we pray right now that the Lord will really minister to us this beautiful word? So all of you in your uh, in the class, I can see you. Those that I cannot see, let's just all lift our hands and bless His holy name. Come on, people of God. Lord, we give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the person of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the power that is ours today. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor, dominion and majesty. We love you with all of our hearts. And God's people said a mighty amen and amen. Can we throw the Lord a kiss? Yes, one, two, three. Come on, one, two, three. Let's go. Ah, Amen and amen and amen. And thank you today for joining me you sweet people all over the world, and my amazing class on BHI. Before I talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to explain something very important about the anointing, because when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the anointing upon us, not the one within us. Very important, very, very important. There are three rivers to the anointing. And the baptism comes under one river. So let me give it to you one more time. And I'm, in fact, I'm almost finished writing a book on this that Charisma is publishing uh, early next year. I'm calling it The Mysteries of the Anointing because people sometimes don't understand how the the anointing flows. Well, you have three three major rivers. River number one, 1 John 2.27. River number two, Acts 1-8. And river number three, Isaiah 10, 27. Because when you look at the anointing of 1 John 2, 27, it talks about the anointing within. The anointing that abides within you. We know, we all know the word of God where we read and God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that resides in us. Well, that power has nothing to do with ministry or with the gifts of the Spirit. The one within you that Paul talked about and John talked about in 1 John 2 is the the abiding anointing, the one that is in our hearts and we receive that anointing at the moment of salvation. It's called dunamis power that God imparts to us all when we are born again. Okay? The second anointing is Acts 1.8. Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And what's the purpose for that? Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Okay? So the second anointing is for witness, ministry. There is a third anointing mentioned in Isaiah 10, where it says that the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage, and the yoke will be broken by the anointing. Well, that has nothing to do with the anointing in the heart, or the anointing on an office. 
It has to do with the, with the anointing that shakes nations. Because Isaiah 10 talks about what? It talks about the Assyrian invasion. The Assyrian power that was broken off of Israel by the anointing. It was the yoke of the Assyrians that God was talking about. And that third, third anointing, nobody talks about. No one even understands it. Well, I do. Because that anointing of Isaiah 10 has to do with nations rising and nations falling. I mean, think about the anointing. Let's talk about this one real quickly before I go into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's think about that anointing that rested on Moses when he walked into Egypt. What was that power that destroyed that country within 10 months? Surely it wasn't the anointing that resides in, in, a, in a believer for sanctification and nourishment. Surely it's not the anointing that rests on an office so you can pray for the sick and see him recover or casting out devils. The anointing of Isaiah 10 is the anointing that God gave Jeremiah. He said, I am putting my word in your mouth and through you I will raise nations and destroy nations. Moses had that anointing where he walks into Egypt and destroys it with a piece of wood. What, what, what do you call that? God's power. Same with the Babylonians. Same with the Assyrians. So I'm not going to deal with that today. This is for a whole different time to talk about. Because most people don't even know that that, that, that anointing exists. And it does exist at certain times. We have seen it on on earth with certain people. Like Billy, Billy Graham. What anointing did, did Billy Graham have? Was, was the anointing on his ministry for healing or deliverance? No, it was for nations. God literally shook the world with that man. And before him, others like him, Billy Sunday and on, on and on. So, so we have to be careful not to mix it. That the, the anointing isn't just all one river. Okay? So how many of you on screen understand? Just wave. Let me just see your wave. Okay. And I know some of you may not understand this, but this is very clear in the Bible. So when we look at the anointing of 1 John 2.27, it talks about what? It talks about that anointing protecting the church from heresy. Where John said, the anointing that abides within you will show you the truth. Truth about what? The truth that Jesus is the Son of God. Because at the time... When John was ministering, there was a heresy that denied the deity of the Lord. And he wrote to the church at that time to say, the anointing within you teaches you. And you don't need anyone to teach you. The anointing in you is truth. It'll protect you from deception. He said, there's no lie in it. So why did he write that? To say that... In your heart you know Jesus is Messiah. In your heart you know he came in the flesh. Because there was a heresy that that said not only that he is not divine, he is not the son of God, but he did not come in the flesh either. Well, that is heresy. And he was dealing with that. and, And he said, the anointing within you will show you that Jesus is the son of God. So I ask you a question, all of you. When you got saved, what what happened to you when when you got saved? Three things happened to you. What were they? Number one, you 
immediately became hungry for the Lord and his word. Just like any baby, when a baby is born, they're hungry for food. Number two, you knew, everything in you knew Jesus is alive. Jesus died for you on the cross. Jesus is your Savior. What is that called? It's called faith. Faith was born like this, that you knew, that you knew, that you knew you are born again now. You are God's child. And number three, what happened? You began loving uh, the Lord, having never seen him. So the Bible is very, very clear on this. That is the work of the anointing within you. The hunger and the faith and the love is the work of God. We don't, we don't create that hunger. We don't create that faith. It's not something we do. It's the gift of God, the Bible says. And when we talk about faith, and people get confused about faith, faith has three realms. There's the measure of faith. There is the fruit of faith. There is the gift of faith. Am I, am I saying too much to you? I, I, I hope I'm not. So, the measure of faith is in Romans 12. Every man has the measure of faith. That's what I'm talking about. The anointing within gives you the measure of faith. And as it grows through the word of God, it, it becomes the fruit of faith. But the gift of faith has nothing to do with anything we're talking about now. The gift of faith is a gift. It comes for a reason, for a season, it has a purpose, and so on. And I taught on that, but now I want to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes under the headline of Acts 1.8. Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So that second river of the, of the anointing is where we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we receive that for what? Witness. That ye might be witnesses. So why is the baptism of the Holy Spirit promised? Not that Christians can have a picnic with it, with it and parties with it, like some people think it's for. It's for service. It's for witness. So the anointing within, the anointing of 1 John 2.27, is for living. For living. The anointing of Acts 1.8 is for ministry. Okay. One causes you to be, and one causes you to do. The anointing in you causes you to be who you are in Jesus. The, the anointing on you causes you to do for Jesus, to work for Jesus. So let's talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the anointing upon us as believers. Now, Acts 2.38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Ghost. He didn't say the Holy Ghost. He said the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it's so sad. It's so sad. For years and years back when I was young, I would hear people call the Holy Spirit it, it, it. It? He's not an it. He's a person. But why did they call him an it? Because they saw him as a gift. No, he is not the gift. 
The gift is the power he imparts to us. Did you hear that? The Holy Spirit is the person Jesus released him by breathing in John 20 and said, receive the Holy Ghost. And at that time, they were born again. Later, he said, tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. So that is power. The gift of the Holy Spirit is his power. The gift of the Holy Spirit is Acts 1.8. So, this promise, he says, is unto you, verse 39, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So every believer can receive the baptism, or here called the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the baptism of power, endowment of power, that you will receive power to witness. So let's let's understand something. He said what? He said, repent, repent, and be baptized. So repentance from sin is the first step. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to obey what Peter said. He said, repent. What is repentance? Repentance is a decision that I will never commit sin again. I will never decide to live in sin again. I completely turn around and I give my life to Jesus completely where he will live his life in me and through me. That's what repentance is. I don't want to live for the devil. I don't want to live for the world. I don't want to live for myself. I want to live for the Lord. And today I make a definite decision. There's a big difference between someone being sorry and someone repenting. So people come to the altar, Oh, Jesus, forgive me. I'm sorry. Well, that's not real repentance. Repentance is total change. It's a dear, glorious, deep decision people make to serve the Lord, to walk away from the world, to live for Jesus all the way. I have two young people sitting here in this room with me, and I have many students watching me, and many of you watching around the world that made that decision. You gave up football, right? Yes, sir. You gave up the world, correct? Yes, sir. You had a great career. You, you could have played football and made a lot of money, correct? Yes, sir. But you did not want to be a part of the world. You said, I want to live for Jesus. Not that football is bad. We don't say that. But he made a, a decision. His name, he's Jackson sitting here. He made a decision. I will not live for the world. I don't want to be a part of this world anymore. I want to focus completely on the Lord. There's a lot of people who play football who are also committed to the Lord. We know that. But what is repentance? Repentance is I'm walking away from the world completely, whatever. Because in in your case, you decided football is not good for you. You don't want it. It's not a part of your life. You want to focus on the work of God, the ministry, right? That's also called repentance. It's a turning around. Same with with you, Chad. You did that years ago yourself. 
So, Peter said, repent and be baptized. And then you'll receive the power of God. Baptism in water is very key here. People who want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have to understand the need for baptism. But what is baptism? Baptism is heart circumcision. Baptism is the 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 declaration of I am dead to the world. I'm alive unto God. Dead to the world means I no longer am a citizen of the world. I am a citizen of heaven. That's who I am. I belong to Jesus completely. And therefore baptism is my declaration of I am dead to the world. I'm dead to sin and I'm alive unto God. The Lord is now my life. And people who do not get baptized in water have missed a lot of the Christian message. It's not about getting wet. It's about a declaration, a public declaration of faith that is sealed in heaven, literally. I've taken many people to Israel who've been baptized already in churches. But they come to be rebaptized in the in the waters of the Jordan. So they say, I, I've been baptized where Jesus was. Great. But the real baptism is, is where you declare publicly you are truly a disciple of the Lord. When I got baptized in water, that's when my parents knew I was serious about Jesus. That's when persecution hit. That's when I began to get persecuted by my own family who did not understand why would you do that? They said, well, you were baptized as a child. I said, well, but you know, I didn't know that. You were baptized in the Greek Orthodox Church. I said, nobody told me. Nobody asked me. I was too young to even understand it. Some priest sprinkled me with water. Fine. God bless him. But I, but that was not my decision. It was your, your decision. You, mommy and daddy to baptize me as a child. But now I'm making my own decision. I want the whole world to know I belong to Jesus. That's it. And I'll tell you something. If you look at history, and if you look at reality, anyone who has not been baptized in a public way Knowing what the Bible teaches has not stayed in the faith. Because baptism establishes the soul in the Christian life. It's that definite, absolute decision. I belong to the Lord. So someone can come to the altar and say, well, I'm, I'm a sinner, for, forgive me. Well, they may just want to, uh, you know, not go to hell and go to heaven instead. So they're using Jesus as a far escape. But baptism is that, that's the real, that's what God looks at. That's the real declaration of faith. And so what did Peter say? Repent and be baptized and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then you are, you, you qualify 
for the baptism of power. Only then. There's a lot of people today have no power in their life. Why? Even though they may say, well, I was baptized, they did not know what they were doing. They only did it just because somebody said you have to be baptized. But did they even understand what the Bible teaches about baptism? Because baptism says, I'm dead to the world. I made a decision to die. Because death is the door to life in the Christian, in the Bible. Think about this. The world looks through the rear view mirror. I'm alive, I'm going to die. I'm healthy, I'm going to get sick. That's looking through the rearview mirror. We're going backwards when it comes to the world. Everything strong becomes weak. Everything alive becomes dead. Not in the Christian life. What is dead will live. What is weak will be strong. Hallelujah. So we live in the positive. We're always going from glory to glory. We're going from weakness to strength, from death to life, from from darkness to light, from from sickness to health, but not the world. They're always going backwards. Our faith, this blessed Christian faith, is fully ours. The power of it is fully ours if we do what Peter said, repent and be baptized. Then you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, we must reject our sin, And we have to obey, because the Bible says what? The Bible says in Acts 5.32, this is very, very important, because if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, everything I'm saying is right on target with what the Bible teaches. So in verse 32 of Acts 5, it says what? It says, and we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey Him. Obey Him. Obedience means what? Entire surrender of our lives. Our will surrender to the Lord. So we come to the Lord and say from our hearts, here am I, I'm yours, you bought me with your precious blood, and I acknowledge your ownership, take me and do with me what you will. Obedience to God means following the will of God revealed in his word, and any refusal to do what he tells us, even in the little matters, will shut us out of the blessing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If we disobey his word, because obedience really means I'm obeying the will of God revealed in the Bible. And if I refuse to do what he tells me, even in the smallest matters, I shut myself out. I cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, let's look at Luke 11. You know, I've heard preachers teach on the baptism. Well, just receive it, just receive it. But they don't even prepare them. I want to prepare you today because the infilling of the Holy Spirit is needed today more than ever, more than ever in this life. And the infilling is not a one-time experience. It's a daily infilling. It's a daily infilling. Because Paul in Ephesians says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that word filled is continually filled. 
They were filled in Acts 2, filled again in Acts 4. Never forget that. So, Luke 11. In Luke 11 and verse 13, the Bible says this. Let me go back to it again. Luke 11 and verse 13. It says, If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that what? Ask Him. So, this is important. Now that that I've repented, baptized, now I qualify for the gift of the Holy Spirit. What do I do? I ask. I ask. So some often say, well, since I have the Holy Spirit, why must I ask to receive His power? Since I'm already born again and I have the Holy Spirit. So let's clear this up. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Every believing, born-again believer has the Holy Spirit. Even Baptists, even Methodists, even Lutherans, and even Episcopalians, and Presbyterians, and Catholics, and so on. If they are born again, you cannot be born again without having the Holy Spirit. Jesus Breathe and said, receive the Holy Ghost in John 20. So some will say, well, my, uh, why do I have to ask for the power? So there's a difference now. There's a difference between having the Holy Spirit or I say receiving the Holy Spirit and being baptized by the Holy Spirit. Big difference. And some will call it baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, it's the same thing. Baptized in the Holy Spirit or baptized by the Holy Spirit is the baptism. So, let's look at, at the difference. Let's look at John 20, which I already mentioned, and let's look at verse 19, and let's read it through verse 22. Then the same day at evening, first being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. Even so said I, uh, let me just read it. As my Father has sent me, so even so send I you. And then when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. That is different from Acts chapter 1. Let's go to Acts chapter 1 and you see the difference where he said, Receive the Holy Ghost. And now the same Lord in Acts 1 verse 2 says what? It says, Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, by many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things 
pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me, meaning I already told you about the promise, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. So, John 20, verse 19 through 22, receive the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, in exactly in verse 5, he said, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Two different experiences. So every believer has John 20, 19 through 22. But not every believer has the baptism. Why? Because they have to ask for it. And if they don't ask for it, they don't receive it. Quite simple. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit was given in answer to prayer. In answer to prayer. So if, if, if people don't pray for the power of the Holy Spirit, well, they're not going to receive the power. They, they, they do have the Holy Spirit within. They are born again. And nobody who is born again lacks the person of the Holy Spirit in their life. But never forget what I'm going to say right, right now. You don't need the baptism to make heaven. You will make heaven simply by being born again. You don't need the baptism to make heaven. You need, you need the baptism to live victoriously on earth. You need the Holy Spirit in your heart and life to make heaven. You make his power to live an effective Christian life on earth. Okay? So, let's look at the fact that the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes in response to asking. For it says, these all, Acts 1.14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brethren. What were they praying for? They were praying for the baptism. Jesus said, wait till you be endued with power. Acts 2, verse 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, it's upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave that utterance. Notice, nobody spoke in tongues when Jesus said, and breathed in John 20, and said, receive the, the Holy Ghost. Nobody saw any manifestation. But here, yes. Why? Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is extremely emotional. Salvation is not. Salvation is by faith. But when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is an emotional experience with that. In Acts 4, and do you remember, they, they, they said they were drunk because they expressed some joy and emotions and so forth. In Acts 4, what happened? Acts 4.31 says they were filled again. So here we see from the Bible that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is not a one-time experience. Salvation is. Jesus breathed on them only one time. 
But now we, we, we see that the power had to come back more than once. And when they had prayed, notice again what I'm saying. Acts 1.14, they were praying. Acts 4.31, they were praying again. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they speak the word of God with bonus. They were filled for the second time. But both times they prayed. And the reason, hear me out. The reason people today lack the power of God is because they don't pray continually for the power of God to come. They they prayed maybe years ago, and they remember the glory they experienced then. But we need to pray all the time. Every time I ministered, every time I, I asked the Lord to fill me again. Because I can't get up on a platform and minister without the power of God. And I can hardly wait till the anointing comes on me when I'm up there. Acts 8. Let's look at Acts 8. I'm showing you scriptures proving you have to pray before the baptism comes. Every single time. Every single time. Acts 8.15. It says, Who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. They prayed for them. So not only is it where you pray for yourself, but you can pray for someone else to receive. And then they have to accept your prayer to receive. Let's look at Acts 8 again, verse 16 and 17. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were only baptized in water. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. So prayer is the desire, the deep desire of the heart. And we must have that deep desire before God grants it. How many of you, how many of you deeply desire the power of God on your life every day? Lift your hand up high. Ask for it. Ask for it every day. Because in the kingdom there are no leftovers. I want to repeat. In the kingdom there are no leftovers. You cannot continue living the Christian life on yesterday's experience when it comes to the power of God. It's a daily infilling. Ephesians says be filled. Stay in a a process of getting filled. There's a big difference. Look, Look here. There's a big difference between this glass and this water. And a sail on a ship. The old ships with sails. This, we, we filled it with water today, but we don't have to, to fill it again. And if nobody uses it, eventually nobody wants it. But when Paul said be filled, he wasn't saying glass filled. He was saying sail on a ship. That the wind fills the sail. When this water is put in a, in a glass, Nothing happens to somebody drinks it. But when wind fills the sail ship, or the sails, what happens? Movement. The, the ship begins moving. That baptism of the Holy Spirit always brings change. Change all the time. So, as long as someone thinks they can do without <clears throat> the baptism, 
They are really living powerless lives. And the Bible says we must ask in faith. In James chapter 1. We, you have to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit continually. And you have to ask by faith. It says, but let him, verse 6 of James 1, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. So, now, let me deal with this. You may ask, should I expect any evidence? And the answer is yes, a definite yes. Because the evidence will come as God manifests his power in your life. And this power is manifested as you begin to serve the Lord. Now remember, the baptism of the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with tongues. Tongues is just one of the manifestations of the baptism. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is power in your life. Power in your life. Okay. If I say to somebody... Let me hear you speak in tongues to prove to me you're filled with the Holy Spirit. It would be as foolish as walking up to a drunk man and saying, please blow so I can smell your breath. You can tell a drunk man just by looking at him. He looks drunk, he walks drunk, he talks drunk, everything he's doing is drunk. And so it says, Be not drunk with wine wherein there is riotous living. My dad, are you people enjoying this? My dad told us kids in Jaffa, because we used to walk to school, and we would walk about three, four miles every morning to school, and my father would would say, now when you see a drunk man on the road, cross uh, cross the, the street and walk on the other side. I never ever remember walking up to a drunk man and saying, let me smell you to make sure you're drunk before I cross the street. Because he was walking like a drunk man. He looked like a drunk man. Everything about him was drunk. The power of that alcohol manifested by his actions, by his walking, the way he looked. And we kids could tell just by looking at the guy. So it is with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to go say, let me hear you talk in tongues to convince me you have the baptism. It's the gift. That tongues is only, is simply a gift, meaning the power can leave and the gift can stay. That's why David Wilkerson used to always say this. Many speaking in tongues, people who speak in tongues and live like devils. Because they do. How many of you have known people who speak in tongues and have devils in them? They need deliverance and they speak in tongues. Which, that gift never leaves. The power leaves. So, the evidence will come with the power in people's lives to live the Christian life. This is what the Lord promised. He said, ye shall receive power. He didn't say, ye shall receive tongues. He said, ye shall receive power. It's a definite experience. Now, I'm going to say something to you that some may not, may not like at all. Is it possible to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues? Yes. In the book of Acts, they all spoke with tongues. 
But I want to ask you a question. I ask you a question. The infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. I've seen people who are not charismatic, like Dr. Charles Stanley. He's not known as a charismatic, but he is more he he is more charismatic than most charismatics I've ever met. Dr. Charles Stanley is baptized in the Holy Ghost. You, you can see it in his life. Does he speak in tongues? I never heard him. He never talked about it. How about Billy Billy Graham? Would 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 Billy Graham uh, did did he have the power of God? You bet he did. Did he pray in tongues? Maybe we don't know. How about Franklin Graham? How about the great uh, pastors and preachers that have come and gone to heaven and some are still alive? I never heard Catherine come and speak in tongues publicly ever. Ever. I'm sure she did because she talked about it, but we never heard her. I've known many preachers, powerful men and women of God, like Tim LaHaye, and even some who were uh, from different denominations, who never spoke in tongues. Did they have the power? You can say yes, because I've seen it in their life. You know who never spoke in tongues? My mother. I never remember my mother praying in tongues. And if anybody can tell me she was not filled with the Holy Spirit, I'd say you're wrong, because I saw the power of God in her. Now, why didn't she speak? Because she just didn't feel it was something she wanted. I never really talked to her about it. I said, I never said, Mom, why you don't speak in tongues? It was not something that she uh, considered important. I considered it for my life, absolutely. I need the gift of tongues way more than anyone else can realize. But you don't need... To say, let me hear you talk in tongues to see your field. Now, I know people will disagree with me. It doesn't matter. I'm teaching the Bible as I believe the, the Bible presents it. Okay? So, Jesus promised power. This is a definite promise, a definite experience. And that anointing, that power of God in our life is a must. Because the Bible tells us very clearly it's a must. Why? Because... In, let's go to Acts 19. It shows you why it's, it's a must. Because here Paul the Apostle comes, and here are a few men in Ephesus. He comes to Ephesus because it says, and have you received the Holy Spirit in verse 2? Since you believed. They said, no. We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, unto what then are you baptized? They said unto John. And then he said, Verily, John did baptize for repentance, saying unto the the people they should believe on him, which should come after him, on Christ. But then what happened? He laid his hands on them, verse 6, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And that was the beginning of the birth of the church in Ephesus that became one of the most amazing churches in that day. And so, the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes as we ask, and number two, 
as someone lays hands on us, but there's a third, because he laid hands on them. But there's a third way you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How? Worship. Let me show you Habakkuk. Let's go to Habakkuk. I hope this is helping you. I hope you're learning something. Habakkuk chapter 3, beginning at verse 3. God came from Timon and the Holy One from the Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens. The earth was full of his praise. His brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hands. And there was the hiding of his power. So here we, we see that as worship begins, the glory of God is released. The power of God is, is released because it says that he saw the, the glory of God. His brightness was like the light. He had horns coming out of his hands, and there was the hiding of his power. But he saw the glory first. He said his glory covered the heavens, verse 3. And there's only one way I know that can release the power of God out of his glory, and that's worship. So, the power of God is released when we ask, when someone lays hands on us, and three, worship. So, But there's a great key in every one of those. There's a great key in every one of those. Whether I ask or or hands being laid upon me or someone or worship, I have to do John chapter 7. I have to obey John chapter 7. And what does it say? In verse 37, the Lord said, In that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. Oh, dear Lord, I sense the anointing just saying that. Let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly, or inner being, shall flow rivers of living water. So, when I ask the Lord... I have to come to him first. When someone lays hands, I'm coming to the Lord, not to the man to lay hands on me, or the woman to lay hands on me. I'm coming to the Lord. When I worship, I'm coming to the Lord. So you and I cannot receive the baptism until we come to the Lord daily. Daily. I believe this message is so important as we close 2021. In a few days, it'll be 2022. And as we close this year, wouldn't it be wonderful if in 2022, we can have the power of God on us daily? And the power of God being on us daily means no demons will harass us again. What do they do in my part of the world to keep flies off sheep? They rub them with oil every night before they go to sleep. May I repeat that again? They rub them with oil. Eastern shepherds. Did you know that, Chad? Yep. They rub them with oil every night before they go to sleep. And that's where the bugs don't come and harass the sheep while they're sleeping. We all need a good rub, don't we? Lift your hands and ask God for the anointing. Come on. Ask Him for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit even while I'm speaking right now. And ask Him that every 
day, it only takes seconds to ask him. It only takes seconds to ask him. And we come to Jesus first, though, because we cannot ask, we can't ask without coming to the Lord. Now, I'm going to close with Job 29, because in Job 29, we, 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 we see five keys that will help us. Lift your, your hands and ask God to show you this revelation I'm, I'm, I'm about to show you from Job. Just ask him, Lord, Lord, give me this, this revelation right now. So Job 29, I'm going to read it beginning at verse 21 through 23, and here are five keys. Unto me man gave ear and waited and kept silence at my counsel. Number one, I must give ear to the word of God. I cannot come to Jesus without hearing his word. So when we say Jesus said, come unto me and receive, all these five keys are in the coming to the Lord. Number one, unto me men give ear. So when I come to the Lord, I have to hear what he says. How? Through his word. Unto me, men give ear and waited and kept silence at my counsel. So, number one, I give ear to his word. What do I do, number two? I wait, because it says waited, waited. What is waiting? Prayer. Number three, kept silent. In verse 21, unto me, unto me, men gave ear. That's hearing the word of God. Number two, waited. That's prayer. Kept silence. What is silence? Worship. I've always said, the word will produce prayer, and the word and prayer will produce worship. I just gave you the three most amazing engines of the Christian life. The word will will birth prayer, and the, the word and prayer will birth worship. And when you have word, prayer, and worship, the engines are working together and the power of God will flow and you'll never lack ever in your life. So in verse 21 he said, give me your ear. Number two, wait. Number three, be quiet. Be silent. That's worship. What is number four? Number four is verse 22. After my words, they speak not again. And my speech dropped upon them. After my word, they speak not again. Wow. And my speech dropped upon them. It means I'm not content without the presence and the, of God and his word. After my words, they speak not again. In other words, I'm not content without your Lord. I'm not content without your Holy Spirit in my life. They didn't speak again. Once they heard his word, they said, I don't want to talk to nobody right now. I want to just think about what he said. After my words, they didn't speak. That shows you I'm never happy with anything else I hear. Let me just hear the voice of Jesus. That's all I need. So number four is, I'm not content with any other voice except his. 
Because if we allow other voices, it will remove that preciousness from us. We, we, we can lose the power of God by hearing the wrong voice. Watch this, verse 23. And they waited for me as for the rain, and opened their mouth wide as for the latter rain. And now what, what happened? They were filled. Isn't that glorious? Number one, give ear. Give, in other words, hear, hear my word. Number two, wait. Pray. Number three, be silent. Worship. Number four, don't speak after you hear my word. Don't be content with anything except me. And number five, it says, they open their mouth and they receive the rain. All right, people, I'm going to ask God to give you the rain. Lift your hands and pray. Come on, right now. I went a little over time with you sweet people on other platforms, but I give you the whole teaching. Lord Jesus, I give you praise. I give you praise, Lord. I worship you. Now, Lord God, your word declares you'll send the rain. You'll send the rain. Let the rain of the Holy Spirit, the rain of his power descend right now on everyone asking you, everyone seeking you for that fresh infilling, fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. I worship you, Jesus. I exalt your holy name, Lord. Baptize your people now. Baptize them now. In the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm sensing? I'm sensing something on my hands. Are any of you sensing something on your hands, on the screen? Wave if you are. Just wave. Look at them. Ali, you're sensing it on your hands, my dear brother. That's the part of God falling on us already. Lord God, many of you in your homes receive it, even though I don't see on the on the screen here with, with the class. Lord, I want you all to say, Dearest Jesus, just out loud, say, Dearest Jesus, I ask you for your power now. Baptize me afresh with your power now. Baptize me with the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that I might live a victorious life that I might be a witness of your glorious name. Yes, Lord, baptize every one of them. Baptize every one of them. Baptize every one of them. I want you to begin just praying in the Spirit right now. Come on, everyone, pray in the Holy Ghost. Even though I don't hear you, God hears you. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Mare, mare, kanti pelbe me. Miente, miente, kintimana. Mono, mono, kuntu, pulbe. I worship you, Jesus. Mene, pilbe, kintimana. I worship you, Jesus. Pelbe, kintimeno. I worship you, Jesus. I give you praise, Lord, for this anointing right now. Be filled from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Be filled with the power of Almighty God, with the Holy Ghost, in Jesus' mighty name. Whoa. Amen and amen. I'm sensing it. I don't know about you, sweet people. I'm sensing it. Many of you, 
Just lift your hands and praise him in your homes. Lift your hands and thank him. And Lord, we pray today that 2022 will be our year of power. Endless, limitless, but your power, the power of your Holy Spirit on our lives. Limitless in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Wow. Well, thank you for joining me today, you sweet people, the, the class and those who are not in the class. And I'm going to ask you to give to the Lord's work right now. I'm going to ask you to bless his wonderful work with a, a seed to his work. And remember, as you enter in the new year, that the Lord will bless you financially. Uh, you know, while I'm sensing this anointing, let's just pray right now. All of you, lift your hands to heaven. Lord, bless them. Bless them not only as they close the year, but bless them financially as they begin a new year. And let 2022 be the greatest year for all of us in every way, in every way, spiritually and and physically and financially. In the name of Jesus, there'll be no lack in our hearts, no lack in our lives, and no lack in our finances. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Wow. Well, all right, you sweet people. Go go ahead and sow your seed. You, dear class, just stay with me. You sweet ones that are watching on other platforms. Uh, go ahead and sow seed on the platform you're watching me on or go ahead and uh, go to our website, benihin.org or simply text BHM45777 and tell your friends about our YouTube channel. It's growing and I want to see it grow even more. Okay, much love to everybody. Shalom, and I'll see you tomorrow. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Wow. Blessed be your name, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.